The and I at the Future Series concludes today as we talk about the outfield. Brian Reynolds and Jack Sawinski are givens, but who plays right field? Is it a big spring training battle that we can expect? What are the minor league options in the outfield potentially in 2024? And just how important is the outfield to the success of the Pirates moving forward? We'll talk about all of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Pirates. You are Locked on Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates every single day. My name is Ethan Smith. You can follow me right there on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan because I'm bringing you all of your news, analysis, opinions, and reactions to everything going on in the world of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And on today's episode, we are finishing up the An Eye at the Future series. Of course, you guys have seemed to enjoy it. There's our own playlist of it on YouTube. If you want to check out all of the episodes, we've talked about starting pitching and pitching overall. We've talked about the catching position. Obviously, that was pre-Andy Rodriguez. We've talked about first base. We've talked about second base. On yesterday's episode, we talked about the importance of Key Brian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz on this roster. And now today, we're wrapping up the series, talking about the outfield of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, when we're looking at the outfield of this roster and what it has to offer this team going into 2024, as it currently stands, obviously a lot of this stuff is subject to change because if I would have done this episode earlier before the Edward uh, Edward Oliveira signing, then we would have been having a whole different conversation. And also I think a lot of the conversation in, ter- in terms of the outfield as well is affected by the Andy Rodriguez injury because I feel like a lot of people expected the Pirates, yes, to have Henry Davis have some time at catcher, but also still see some time in right field. Now, that's something that can still very well happen despite the Andy Rodriguez injury, but I find it a lot less more likely that it happens now with the fact that your catchers are Ali Sanchez, Jason DeLay, and Henry Davis. I think Davis will primarily be a catcher this year. I wouldn't expect too much of him out in right field. But when you're starting talking about the outfield of the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think it's very clear and apparent to say that Brian Reynolds and Jack Sawinski are likely locks to be in the left field spot, in the center field spot, respectively. And I really think that that's fine. Obviously, with Brian Reynolds, it's perfectly fine. Obviously, there's the questions about Jack Sawinski and can he just be a more consistent hitter? Obviously, he's more of a power hitter. He's always going to have the lower average. He's always going to have more home runs than he is anything. He's always going to walk. He's also going to strike out. He's going to be that three common outcomes kind of guy. But can he do it more consistently where we're seeing the home runs and a little bit more singles and a little bit more doubles from him rather than him having those stretches where he's going 0 for 27 or not getting on base at all for a span of seven or eight games? That's really the biggest question that you're going to have to ask ask about Jack Sawinski when we're going into 2024. And for Brian Reynolds, I think it's really just, can he continue to play on an all-star level after receiving that extension year in and year out? I think the question or the answer to that question is pretty easy. I think it's yes. I think he'll be perfectly fine. And I think he'll be able to continue to sustain that over a long period of time. 
But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the outfield really didn't seem like it had as many questions as other positions on the roster, like starting pitching, like first base. But I always mentioned outfielding when I was talking about the offseason and what the Pirates could do and what's going to be afforded to them. And there was a reason for that, because when you look at the right field spot specifically, that's going to be the spot that I think a lot of the guys that we're going to talk about today would be filling up. There's not really a ton to really like there right now. Now, obviously, there's a lot of options that could play there, like Joshua Palacios, Edward Oliveras, um, Kanan Smith and Jigba, Connor Joe. A lot of guys we're going to talk about today, even at G1 Bay even. But it, it's really interesting to me that the Pirates, yes, they go out and get Oliveras, who I think has the potential to be a breakout candidate for this team this year. Obviously, he was one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball last year in terms of his home runs, and he still hit quite a bit home runs of home runs in Kansas City. But when you're looking at this team and you're looking at the players that are available to them out in right field, it does surprise me just a bit that they didn't go out and go get a veteran right fielder that could potentially play the position every single day. Now, obviously, a lot of people want to see Andrew McCutcheon play the position. I just don't know if his body can really do it. I don't know if his body is capable of playing right field more than, I'd say, 30, maybe even 40 games. But with the other options that they have, if you do opt to let Kutch play the field a bit, especially with him wanting to to play even past this season and this upcoming year in 2024, then that's fine. I think that's okay if you want him to play 30 or 40 games with the other options that are available. But when you're looking at it overall, yes, there's a lot of options available, but are they options that a lot of us are comfortable with when we're moving forward with the outfield? When you look at Joshua Palacios, he's one of the better players in all of baseball in the clutch last season. He was phenomenal in the late innings. He was kind of a darling of the team because of his very clutch hits that he had, but he wasn't, let's be honest, he was not the greatest player to have out there day in and day out. We know that. He was not the like the ideal option that a team would like to have in right field. Now, that's not to dismiss the fact that he's a decent player, and I think he could be a great backup outfielder for this roster moving forward. I think he's the kind of guy that would be a great fourth outfielder to have on this roster, especially to be able to play right and left field. But he's also not the greatest defender either. And I think that's a common denominator among a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about today is defensively, they leave a lot to be desired. And when you already have Brian Reynolds, who's already not the greatest defensive outfielder, and Jack Sawinski, who's not terrible out there at center field, but he's also not the greatest option to have defensively either, I think that I would at least want one of my outfield spots to be defensively inclined. Now, Obviously, you want to still get offensive production out of every single position on the field. That's what you would love to have as a player that can do both, that can go two ways and play defense and offense. But you obviously aren't going to have nine of those guys on the field at all times. Very rarely do you do. And that's where I think with right field, you would like to opt for a guy that's more defensively inclined. And that's not Joshua Palacios. Yeah, he could make some of those very good plays, but he doesn't have the greatest arm out there in right field either. Now, he's he doesn't have a below average arm. It's about average, a little bit above average. But I don't think it's anything to really write home about. And then you look at Edward Oliveira, same thing with him. He struggles defensively uh, as a outfielder. And it's something that I think the Pirates are going to just deal with just because I think Edward Oliveras again, has a chance to be a breakout candidate with his bat this year. But you look at it overall and the options that are there, again, they're not terrible options. Let's say that. 
they're not horrible options. If you throw Edward Olivares out there or Joshua Palacios out there or Connor Joe out there, I think you're going to be okay with it. And you look at um, Olivares' run value, negative six. He was not qualified as a run value player for the Kansas City Royals last year. But again, you're looking at this kind of guy and he has a plus one base running value, a minus one batting run value, but he had a very good expected batting average, a very good expected slugging, a very good K rate. He ranked in the 83rd percentile in K percentage at a measly 16.6. So that's something that I think you're going to like a lot. And again, when you're looking at a guy like Oliveira's is fielding, he was a negative seven outs above average. It's just not going to cut it. His arm value was a flat zero and his arm strength was in the 90th percentile. So yeah, Oliveira's has the arm. Palacios even could have the arm as well. But you look at these guys overall, and it's just really hard to say that they're adequate defensively. Now, again, is that what the Pirates want to prioritize when they're prioritizing the outfield, specifically right field? Do they want to prioritize defense? Do they want to do the thing that a lot of teams do where they say, hey, we would rather have a guy out there that's going to save runs than produce runs. And sadly, for the players that are available, I just don't think that that's what the Pirates have at their disposal. But we're going to talk a little bit more about Palacios. We're going to talk a little bit more about Edward Olivares here in just a moment. And we're going to bring up some other players as well, like Connor Joe, that could potentially fit into this fold as well. But before we do that, folks, we're going to talk about FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is your one-stop shop, everybody, for doing all of your sports betting down the stretch of the NFL season because you can score early in the final weeks of the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any f winning $5 money line bet. So that's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. If you want to bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Seattle Seahawks this uh, New Year's Eve, then go do it over at FanDuel. Just put $5 down and you can potentially win $150. The app is super easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL, uh, the NFL postseason because FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and an official sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. And also, if you want to see this show and many other shows on the Locked On Podcast Network 24-7 every single day, then you can do that. It's lost. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, every single day. Again, my name is host Ethan Smith. You can follow me again right there on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked On Pirates. And we're talking about the outfield today in the in I at the Future series finale that we've been doing in the offseason. 
And in that first segment, we talked a little bit about Brian Reynolds and Jack Sawinski, how they're the givens of what this outfield has to offer right now, but also the questions that surround the right field spot, the spot that a lot of people have wanted to see an upgrade at. And the Pirates have only really added a couple of guys. Of course, they got Gilberto Celestino to really start their offseason. Don't really know how much of an impact he's going to make from the Minnesota Twins. They also get Billy McKinney. They got Edward Olivares, but that's really the extent of everything that we've seen added by this roster and fan graphs, by the way, one of the websites that I absolutely love when talking about Pittsburgh Pirates prospects or looking at projections and all that stuff has this right now as the starting lineup. And you can see in right field that they do have Palacio starting in right field, Reynolds in left field, and Jack Sawinski in center with, of course, uh, Connor Joe, G1 Bay, and Edward Olivares, all capable of playing the position as well. And I think G1 Bay is an interesting case as well because what do you do with a guy like G1 Bay? who can really only play second base. I don't really like his um, shortstop capabilities that he offers. So is he an outfield option as well? But you also look at how G1 uh, Bay was as an outfielder last year, not the greatest outfielder in the world for this team whatsoever either. And for a guy like G1 Bay, it's very interesting where he fits into the fold here because you're looking at a guy that, again, he can play second base, he can play the outfield, so he has that defensive versatility that the coaching staff absolutely loves to talk about. He has that defensive versatility to play either the infield or the outfield, but can he do either really at a big level? And when you look at his stat cast metrics from last year, he was a guy who base running was phenomenal. Fielding run value, he was a flat zero. He had decent range and an ounce above average last year at zero. He also had an 87.5 arm strength, which came in at 69th in uh, the percentiles for everything that was there. But he also isn't the greatest hitter in the world. He didn't have the greatest stat cast metrics in the world. He was definitely more of a slap hitter, more of a guy that was going to bunt to get on base with that 97th percentile sprint speed. And G1 Bay can fit into this fold as well. So I think that's really what you're getting into when you're talking about a lot of these guys. And Connor Joe in the mix as well is a very interesting one also because Connor Joe is one of those guys that can play first base, a position that the Pirates and some of their fans would still say that they need to fix, even with the addition of Rowdy Telez and the uh, possibility that a guy like Jerry Triolo, who I interestingly don't even see on this list um, on here as potential options as well, Fangrass will probably have to fix that because Jared Triolo will be a part of this at, in some way, shape, or fashion, be it second base, be it first base, be it in a platoon utility role. I'm very surprised that he's not on this list by Fangrass, but I digress on that. But also, it's very interesting, too, for Connor Joe because, yeah, he could play first base. He could play the outfield, but what is Connor Joe? have to offer you this late in his career. He's now about to be going on 32 at some point next season. He's a guy that is not terrible in any metric whatsoever. I mean, he was 247 average hitter, 11 home runs and 42 RBIs last year. Definitely was in much of a platoon role in all of the places that he was at in 2023. But you also look at his stat cast metrics and his analysis over there with the advanced metrics that he has as well. Because yes, folks, I like advanced metrics. I think it paints more of a picture 
than just looking at the stats the entire time. And as a fielding run value, he was a plus three. He was a two outs above average guy. Arm value was pretty good. His arm strength was okay. So do you opt with Connor Joe as a right fielder as well? Do you give him a fair shake and a fair option out there also? There's a lot of questions and a lot of guys that really do have the potential to play the outfield for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2023. It's just really, who do you pick? Do you pick the newly acquired Edward Olivares, who again has the potential to hit 20 home runs a, a year, but isn't that great defensively? Do you like stick with what you know and Joshua Palacios, the guy that you got to see play a ton this past year and also tore it up in the minors before he came up here, didn't exactly light the world on fire when he was at the major league level, but it was also decent enough to be a good option for you moving forward. Those are other things that you want to look at when you also take and paint a picture about, you know, Connor Joe, he's going to be a veteran presence. He's going to be exactly who we all think he is. He's not going to change any more than what he has been throughout his whole MLB career, which is a very patient player at the plate. Who's going to put the ball all over the field and occasionally hit a home run every once in a while and be an average defender at first base or right field. That's what Connor Joe is going to be as well. And these are the things that the pirates are thinking about all these options that they have. So now when I was talking about, second base in this series and I was talking about that being the biggest spring training battle is it though is it is second base really going to be the biggest spring training battle for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2024 I think it gets a lot harder than that you can go to starting pitching and look at Bailey Falter and Luis Ortiz and Rowanzi Contreras and Quinn Priester and Jared Jones and guys like that fighting for the back end of the rotation spots. And you can also look at the outfield and you can look at these guys that I've mentioned, like Edward Olivares and Joshua Palacios and Connor Joe and G1 Bay and Kanan Smith and Jigba as options that really could be fighting for that last spot. Now, obviously I think it is clear that when the pirates are deciding some of their roster spots that you are going to have, obviously one guy probably start and another guy be behind him because it is always very smart to have a backup outfielder on any MLB roster. And I think that's pretty clear too, that they're going to do that thing as well. And G1 Bay also offers that versatility. If you really want to, you can keep G1 Bay as a backup second baseman or a backup outfielder. But I do think it would be wise for the Pittsburgh Pirates to at least have one true backup outfielder on their roster. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And you're looking potentially at a Brian Reynolds, Jack Sawinski, and a mixture of Joshua Palacios and Edward Olivares being in the outfield mix. I think Connor Joe as well is in that mix. Also, there's been a lot of chatter about potentially moving on from Connor Joe with all of these like players that are available at the Pirates disposal in the outfield as well. And this is before we even talk about the minor leagues, which is what I'm going to talk about in the final segment of today's episode. So there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall when we're talking about the outfield of the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's a lot of dominoes and a lot of questions that the Pirates need answers on, on who's going to occupy that right field spot in front of the Clemente wall. Again, I think that you really expect Brian Reynolds to be the left fielder every day. You can expect Jack Sawinski to be the center fielder every day, even with his glaring questions and issues that he still has as a player. And right field is really where the big conversation happens. And do the Pirates also even think about going out and getting one of those veteran players to really just occupy that spot like a Jock Peterson or like a... 
anybody that's available in free agency and the outfield that can play the position like a Michael A. Taylor, who I think is already acquired, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember if Michael A. Taylor was acquired yet, folks. I know there was a lot of chatter about Michael A. Taylor and who where he would end up going. I'm pretty sure he did get picked up, though, if I'm not mistaken. And when you look at news on Michael A. Taylor, it still says that there's interest in him, but that was also three weeks ago. Um, who knows? I don't remember. Michael A. Taylor isn't exactly the uh, marquee free agent that I'm keeping my eye on. But when you're looking at this overall, the Pirates have a lot of different directions they can go with this. They could go the Palacios direction. They could go the Oliveira's direction. They could go the Joe direction. They could go the G1 Bay direction if they really want to. And realistically, they could go the Henry Davis route as well if they want Henry Davis to play in right field and the catcher spot. That's something that I think we could see in 2024. It's not something that I want to see, but I think it's something that we could very well see from this team moving forward. Now, again, I've mentioned all of these players, but I haven't even talked about the minor league options for the Pittsburgh Pirates in the outfield that could potentially make an impact going into 2024. And we'll also talk about the importance of the outfield going into next season as well here in just a moment. Alrighty, loyal third segment listeners, thank you for tuning into the Locked On Pirates podcast, as you always do here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates every day. And welcome to the final segment of today's episode here on December 28th. I'm debating when our New Year's resolution show is going to come out. It may come out on New Year's Eve because I do work today, tomorrow, and Saturday. So I'm going to try to fit that show in, obviously, before the New Year hits. I also work on Monday as well on New Year's Day. So uh, shout out to me for working uh, in the brewery on New Year's Day. That's going to be very fun. But what else is fun is talking about this Pittsburgh Pirates outfield and all of the questions that arise when you talk about the outfield. And that's ultimately why I did this and I at the future series, because I wanted you guys to kind of take a look at these things and think about them, how like how the Pirates are going to do this and how the roster is going to construct itself in 2024 and what options are available that many of you might not know. And that's what we're going to do here in this final segment as well, because the outfield, again, has a lot of options, even in the minor leagues as well. You take a look at this list and we'll start bottom to top because I don't think Sammy Siani, Connor Scott, Luke Brown or Trez Gonzalez are really going to be guys that you have to think a whole lot about in 2024. Anything can happen, though. You really don't know. It says that a projected level to start is in Altoona. I think that's pretty on brand for those guys. Sammy Siani and Connor Scott have been guys that I've liked in the minor leagues for quite some time. They're still kind of coming into their own, though. I think they're more of guys that you might see in 2025 and beyond. Meanwhile, Luke Brown and Trez Gonzalez, I just don't know a whole lot about. I won't even uh, lie about that. I just don't know a whole lot about those guys, but maybe they even make me figure it out and learn about it. Jace Bowen, by the way, was a name that a lot of us heard about in the Arizona Fall League, obviously playing baseball over the offseason. And Jace Bowen is an interesting case for the Pittsburgh Pirates because Jace Bowen can also do a lot of things. Jace Bowen 
is one of the top 30 prospects in the system. He hit 255 in 2023 as a career 244 hitter, had a 794 OPS last year. Didn't do too bad. And I mean, you look at what like what season he had. He started in Greensboro, eventually went up to Altoona. I expect him to start the season in Altoona going into next year. Obviously, a former 11th round pick in 2019 went to uh, Central Catholic in Toledo, Ohio. Little just, you know, little nuggets about Jace Bowen, but he's also, I think, just below the surface of what the Pirates can expect if they want to get any minor league contributions to the outfield this year. I already mentioned Gilberto Celestino, uh, Pirates' uh, first acquisition of the offseason this year. Gilberto Celestino, not exactly the guy that you think of when saying, oh, he's going to make an instant impact. Well, he could potentially, but he's and he's still 24. I mean, he still has a lot of time to figure it out. But he's also a career 222 hitter and 370 at bats, 82 hits, four home runs, a 0.1 WAR. Didn't really do too much in Minnesota to start his career. Obviously, been a much better minor league player uh, in his career thus far. You look at his minor league stats. I mean, he started in the minors in 2016. Obviously, a Pretty decent minor league player. I mean, 355 OPS in his career in the minors with a 270 average and a 400 slugging with a 755 OPS. So definitely a guy that I think could hit a ceiling of being a number four outfielder. But when you're really breaking it down, you're looking at a guy that's just not going to really amount to all that much outside of the fact that he's going to be one of those players for the Pirates. I just don't think he's going to pan out to be all that much. But then you go to one of my favorite prospects really in the system and Matt Frazier, who's already about to be 25, going on 26. Former third-round pick from the Pirates in 2019. Had a pretty decent 2023 campaign. 252 average, eight home runs, 50 RBIs with a 683 OPS. His career numbers, obviously that OPS much better. His home run number much better. Obviously, 437 at-bats in 2023. He'll take that. 21 stolen bases. 21 of his 59 stolen bases were in 2023. Matt Frazier is the kind of guy where if he gets hot and he has the right um, 2024 campaign, yeah, I think you really could end up seeing a guy like Matt Frazier make an impact on this roster and quickly. And then you go to one of my other favorite prospects in the system as well, in Matt Gorski, who's a guy that a lot of people have really looked forward to in this Pittsburgh Pirates system, only hit 231 last season, but still hit 20 homers, 61 RBIs, uh, 725 OPS, obviously a career 240 hitter with a 763 OPS, 64 home runs and 205 RBIs, topped out at Indianapolis last year. I think Gorski, especially with him already being 26, almost going on 27, I believe, going into next season, you're looking at a guy that could really be a backup outfielder for this team and fill in some spots, especially if the Pirates have some injuries in the outfield. I think that's something that could really really, really benefit him. Now, obviously, I think much like Matt Frazier, he's going to be the kind of guy where you really want to look at him and make sure, okay, what kind of season is he having? What kind of player is he going to be? And I think that's what you're going to be looking for. Joe Perez is an interesting one as well, folks. Had a very good 2023, hit 272 with an 811 OPS and 20 home runs. A career 272 minor league guy has one at bat at the MLB level. Obviously, a former Astros second round pick in 2017. Saw action with three different teams 
last year, obviously, was in Altoona. Then he was in Sugarland, And then, of course, in Indianapolis at AAA, where he only saw nine games. But he absolutely dominated in Altoona with a 341, 477, 624, and a 1.101 OPS. So a guy that I think a lot of people could keep eyes on. And obviously, you see his positions being right field, left field, and third base. He is listed as a primary third baseman for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates system. Obviously, the Pirates already have a third baseman in Key Brian Hayes, so I don't think he would really do much there. But with that ability to be able to move between the outfield and the in- and the infield, I think that's perfectly fine for the Pittsburgh Pirates when they're taking a look at Joe Perez. But much like, again, Gorski and Frazier, he's going to have to prove a lot of it in his uh, career that he has, especially in 2024. He's going to have to have a good season to break that uh, barrier and get up to the MLB level. Billy McKinney is one of those guys I think will just be injury fodder. If the Pirates do sustain an injury, he'll be an easy guy to bring up. Career 209 guy in 818 at-bats. Not much to say about him. Didn't have a great 2023. A 726 OPS with a 227 average and only 128 at-bats. Has a 674 OPS across his career. Again, injury fodder, but also the most likely guy to be called up with an injury instead of, you know, Perez, Gorski, or Frazier, or Celestino, just because he's an easy pickup and send-back-down guy. Caden Smith and Jigba, we've seen him before. Obviously, I think he has the potential to win a backup outfield spot out of spring training, or if he plays good enough, maybe even fight for that right field spot. These are all things that can happen, folks, and those are all names that I think we need to keep an eye on. And just how important is this outfield in 2024? Well, if they can patch up that right field spot with a lot of uh, decent talent, folks, that outfield could look very good by season's end with Jack Sawinski, Brian Reynolds, and whoever they decide to start in right field. But folks, thank you so much for enjoying the and I at the Future series. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, as you always do. You can follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked on Pirates. You can check out this show at Locked on Pirates on YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I will see you on the flip side.